0: You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're going to talk today at least with Tim Ring, who is the Cardinals show analysis at least, also has been pretty busy with the stretch in Arizona sports the last few weeks, and my goodness, what a week to cover, Tim. We get to talk yeah. at least not just about the Cardinals in 2022, but we get to talk about the 2023 season as well, as the Cardinals yeah. lose to the Patriots. They end up falling to 4-9 and nine on the season, but worst of all, Kyler Murray goes and tears his acl it's a complete tear out for the season and probably out for part of next season as well it's probably the end of an era for the arizona cardinals at least of the pre and the post Kyler murray acl tim (laughs) what do you even say to this this is just out of all of the things that could have gone wrong this season you could say well at least kyler murray's playing and we can look forward to seeing this offense with him now you don't even have that as a
1: fan Yeah, Blake, first of all, thanks for having me. I can say this, if it is the end of this particular era, good. (laughs) Um, You're right. Big picture. With all the expected turmoil to come for the Arizona Cardinals in the offseason, or potentially to come, maybe I I really should state it that way, the issues on the roster, the issues and question marks in the front office and on the coaching staff, the one constant we thought we had And some of that is because of the contract he signed was we knew who was going to be the quarterback of the football team. Now you wanted to see him improve and get better. And there was a discussion about how good he could or would or should, or will ultimately be, but you knew he was going to be the guy. And in three seconds on the third play of that Monday night football game, that all changes in an instant. And now Kyler Murray's season is over, which at this point, As far as 2022 goes, Blake, I mean, really, whatever, right? At this point, who cares? It's all about now 2023. How long will he be out? When will he be back? And what are the Cardinals going to do about it personnel-wise at the most important position in all of professional sports, obviously? So now you have all the question marks already that were surrounding this organization, that Troy Aikman called a dumpster fire after the game on Monday night. and Candidly, I'm not sure he's wrong. Mm. And now you have a major question at quarterback because you don't know when Kyler Murray is going to come back. Now, maybe in March you have a better idea. Maybe in June you have a real good idea. But for now, in mid-December, as you and I are doing this wonderful podcast, we don't know, they don't know. And it's a scary time right now to be a Cardinal fan and to be a member of that Cardinal organization because, wow, there are there's a laundry list of issues right now, Blake, and we could probably spend five hours going down each and every one of them, right? Well, let's not spend five hours. I don't want to do like five I'd podcasts. Rather, I'd rather not, Blake, actually. Uh, it's, so, it's
0: so difficult. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the game before we go with Murray. There's definitely, I think, the feeling overall of not just dread, but kind of one of those type of foundational games like you come into the game say hey Matt Patricia is he on the hot seat Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim they're on the hot seat you want to see progress from Kyler Murray at the end of the game Patriots blow the Cardinals out Colt McCoy is not able to get anything going takes six sacks and you ultimately can even say that when the opportunity was there to make plays or make decisions that could keep the Cardinals in the game It felt like the wrong thing happened totally. Like every time, no interception for Zayvon Collins, Cliff going for it on fourth and one in a low scoring game to that point. There's so much at least that it felt like just went wrong for the Cardinals. And that's been the story of the season.
1: You know what? That's a great point because I was just about to say, it was almost the entire Cardinals season, Blake, in microcosm, right? You had questionable decisions on the sidelines You had stupid, stupid penalties. Mm -hmm. You had untimely injuries. You had a chance to win a game that was winnable. You had guys almost making big plays, but not making them. You had defensive breakdowns. And at the end of the day, what did you have? You had another check in the loss column. Now... Again, I, you know, to pick apart a game now that is a couple days old. Obviously, the headline is Kyler Murray goes down. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 wind goes out of the entire stadium when that happens. But you want to look at a game that was still winnable. I thought the Cardinals actually played really well in the wake of the injury. You know, they they have a they have a 13-7 lead, as you mentioned, 36 seconds to go in the first half. They've got fourth and one. They've got a 49 or 50 yard field goal. They're looking at. I think pretty much every football coach in the history of the planet sends one of the best kickers in the NFL out there to knock home a 49-50-yard field goal to take a 16-7 lead at the half. Mm -hmm. The roof was closed. It was indoors, but not our guy. Not our guy. He goes for it. And I I don't want to hear the play was there. Um, Blake. sometimes defensive players make a play. Sometimes offensive players don't make a play, and you don't get it. There, there were no timeouts left. I don't understand the risk-reward at that point. Like, if you had three timeouts left and you're like, oh, hell, man, we're 4-8. and eight. We're going to go in for the we're, – we're going into the end zone here. I got yeah. nothing to lose. He's got, uh, so so, that, so th- that doesn't happen. And, of course, then you give the Patriots a short field, and they kick a field goal, so it's 13-10 at the half. But then in the second half, Blake, I mean – You know, the the illegal shift penalties, your veteran wide receivers don't know to get set. A.J. Green, another veteran wide receiver, stepping out of bounds. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, as great as Hop is, I mean, zero interest in ball security uh, on a fumble. That leads to the go-ahead touchdown, and then, you know, Colt throws an interception. Zavon Collins almost gets the pick six, doesn't get it a couple plays later. A defensive breakdown, Hunter Henry runs right by Isaiah Simmons. For a wide open uh, play that leads to a touchdown but that was basically the play that that scored them a, a touchdown for all intents and purposes so I mean again this is this is Arizona Cardinal football whether it's McCoy out there or Murray out there and it all ends up to it all adds up to to another defeat and last thing I'll say about it I, I said it uh, on the postgame show on 98 7. You hear about people who run a tight ship, right? Mm. And that It's like that old analogy. Hey, we run a tight ship here. I run a tight ship. Cliff Kingsbury runs the loosest ship I've ever seen. <laughs> I oh, mean, and, 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 and I think you see signs of that when they are the most penalized offensive team mm. in the National Football League, and your veterans can't figure out to get set before the play, and you make mistakes like that, and you make mental errors, and you have false starts. And I don't even care about the offensive line getting their doors blown off in the fourth quarter when the Patriots defense, I mean, poor Colt McCoy, they're pinning their ears back, as the old saying goes, they know the Cardinals are throwing the ball, and that beleaguered backup offensive line, what are they supposed to do? It's not even about that. It's about the mistakes that plague this team, game in and game out. Loosest ship in America like loosest ship in America.
0: Yeah, this is the the thing about Cliff Kingsbury is we've seen it now with him for four years of coming in. We saw some of these issues in two thousand and nineteen when the Cardinals were trying to close out close games. We saw a couple of blowout wins in twenty twenty, a couple of kind of crazy close situational wins. You think of the Hale Murray pass against Buffalo, obviously. But you look at the previous time Cliff played the Patriots, it's kind of you know we saw Bill Belichick has this type of you be the one who makes a mistake I'll run a tight ship and when you do make that mistake we will capitalize on it when the Cardinals did not convert from the one yard line at the end of the yeah. halftime they ran a play most coaches they kicked the, uh, a field goal right there from the one to take, Just say it's take too the points, important yeah. I think that Cliff is when you talk about being aggressive I think that there is a place for being aggressive in football I think there can be way too conservative coaches who will let people come back into the game but When you talk about Cliff, he can be aggressive to a fault. And I think the fault in this situation is if he doesn't trust his kicker enough, when we granted Prater missed a field goal earlier in that game, I think that you would normally see a guy trust Matt Prater to be able to come through or have Matt Prater say, hey, yeah, like, I I can do this at least, like, put this on me. This is a low-scoring type of game. And essentially for him to be able to go through, and what I kind of thought of it was it's like a knockout punch where you go for the knockout punch, you feel like, hey, if we just get a touchdown here and go up by 10 points, they're going to basically be into that same position of trying to play catch-up, not running the ball as much. And right, I think we'll that play, they went we'll for the play, knockout they, they, blow, but know, they were but
1: they they still there. The, they it went was, on the 15-yard line, though. Yeah, I mean, they exactly. Were, they, they were ways they were, away. They were a ways away, and they had no timeouts. I mean, so even if you get that, I mean – yeah, I know in theory you could maybe get a defensive breakdown and score, but at best you're probably going to get is a closer field goal. Right. So the risk-reward, just take the field goal now so you don't got to worry about not getting it on fourth and one. To me, it just it, it's a sign of a coach that is under immense pressure. Um, mm-hmm. I talked about it the other day on my own podcast about I, I think he's cracking a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to be a guy who just judges body language, but when they show Cliff on the sidelines, he looks mm-hmm. really stressed. Does he not? I don't know if you see that, but he has got that play sheet. My imitation. He's—he's just—he's looking. His eyes are wide, and he's yelling. I mean, a lot of times coaches are kind of calm and cool, and they're just kind of you know doing this. I mean, he's like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and it's um, yeah. You know, I, I think he's cracking a little bit. That that mm-hmm. that that decision on fourth down to me. Uh, just seems like a guy who's under immense pressure and not yeah. not thinking clearly because it just th- there's there's aggressiveness, Blake, and then there's just stupidity and poor situational mm. football. And, and I mean, listen, even Kurt Warner on the on the radio broadcast for Monday Night Football couldn't believe it. Yeah, and you just saw you saw a bunch of national media guys tweeting like, "What the hell is he doing?" I mean, this oh, isn't yeah. just a Tim Ring thing. It's I mean, like he lost that, that his mind. Was, yeah, like he lost his mind. Like that's you know, there's aggressiveness and then there's just dumb, and that was dumb.
0: Hmm. No, and I think the way that I would set it up, at least, and say is if you go for a knockout blow, you will open and expose yourself. And that's exactly what happened with the Arizona Cardinals, at least for the yep. most part, we could see. Uh, real quick, we've got a uh, breaking news, actually, to pop in right into as of just four minutes ago from at Rapsheet, Ian Rappaport. Cardinals GM Steve Keim is taking an indefinite health-related leave of absence from the team. Wow.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Really? <sighs> That's just, this is, this season, my goodness. I think we can't go like, we can't record an entire podcast without having some type of bad Cardinals breaking news coming up. That is Well, I wow. mean, I, I, this is, this is obviously wow. news
1: to me. And um, you don't That's want to speculate. Awful. First of all, if mm. Steve is having some kind of health issue, our, our most importantly, our, our, our thoughts uh, and well wishes go out to him and his, his family and his children. And, and we hope whatever it is that he's suffering from, he gets better. Obviously, the timing on this is very interesting, Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with the Cardinals struggling and Steve Kime under heavy, heavy, heavy fire. Super heavy and a very, very, And a very, very – you wonder if the pressure is, is causing some type of also adding to any kind of maybe mental or physical problems that he's having. Mm-hmm. And then you also wonder – you know, with, with such a long-term relationship with Michael Bidwell, is this is this potentially going to be the beginning of the end of Steve Kime's run mm-hmm. uh, at GM? Like, mm-hmm. is this is this one step towards an ultimate uh, separation? But football secondary uh, to the news that if it is a health-related leave of absence, I'm reading the the, the tweet right here that you that you alerted me to. That the most important thing is that that if Steve is having health issues, we wish him the very, very mm-hmm. best with foot, with football and his job obviously being yeah. secondary. Yeah.
0: For him, his family, all the other people that are there, obviously, that's the biggest thing, at least for the most part, is your, your health is one spot. And, and every one of us, at least, who goes and looks out and can see people, and obviously we have a celebrity-obsessed culture that people are in the news, things are a big but, deal. But at the yeah. end of the day, you're just a person, and your health is all you really have.
1: Well also Blake, now let's 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 be what did we just what did we just begin the show with? Hmm. What are they going to do about the quarterback situation with Kyler Murray? This is a very very critical stretch for the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. They've got to decide what they're going to do with their head coach and they've got to decide what they're going to do with that quarterback position. Now, you know, you and I can kick around some scenarios, right? When you talk about how they approach the quarterback deal. And this is why all of a sudden, now you don't have a GM. Hmm. Like, are, are we? Are you kidding me right now? With with the combine, Jeez. you know, like eight eight weeks away, and the draft sixteen weeks away. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, you know, twenty weeks away. I mean, think about that, right? Wow. And this is a this is a critical time. I I was doing the math on this the other not really the math. I broke out the calendar and, and a little bit of math math that even I could do. Um, if Kyler has surgery, and we we hear now it's going to be right after Christmas. Let's say let's just say for clean numbers, Kyler has surgery on january 1st yeah if he's out for exactly nine months that puts it sunday october 1st now october 1st is actually a a sunday this year it would be the fourth game of the year i mean best case scenario which would be pie in the sky blake right would be kyler comes back after nine months and he's playing in a game i I don't know if that's possible i'm just giving you best case scenario if that were the case kyler murray would only miss Three games, and he'd be back in game four and ready to roll. Presumably for the rest of the season. If that's the case, you know you could roll with Colt McCoy for those first three games. You know, try to go two and one or three and zero, oh and and get mm-hmm. Kyler back and see what you can do. So that's a different scenario than if Kyler's out for six or for eight or for nine or as Keyshawn Johnson says, maybe the entire season. If it's longer than six, eight, ten, I think the Cardinals have to approach. The quarterback situation, like we need to get a guy that we think can quarterback this mm-hmm. team the entire season, and then whenever we get Kyler back, we get him back. Now, yeah. if that's the case, I don't think that guy is Colt McCoy. Mm. Uh, Colt McCoy is going to be thirty-seven years old, by the way, when next yeah. season starts. Think about that. So when we when we talk about this, Blake, and that you try to figure out who that guy is going to be, now the GM is taking a medical leave, but, and we don't know when he'll be back. Maybe he'll be back in three weeks. What if he's back in three months and not back for three months? I mean, at some point does Mike have to go out there and find himself a new GM? This is, this is getting very Mike, Mike bigger picture. Mike Bidwell's got a, I mean, you know, quote Troy Aikman with the dumpster fire. Yeah. Again, not, not to lump Steve's medical issues that we don't know what they are into that, but go ahead and put that, you know, piece of luggage in the, in the room too. Now that, this is becoming a bigger issue now organizationally for Mike Bidwell. I mean, now you have no GM, you got a 4 and 9 football team. Your quarterback's out for at least 9 months. Your your coach is cracking on the sidelines. You can't win games. You got Can I go through the list real quick? Yeah, can oh, you bear with obviously. me? Obviously. Let's go through the whole gamut I mean, here. <laughs> I mean, like okay, I mean, you've got you've got a 4 and 9 football team. You've got an assistant coach groping women and drinking the night before the game in Mexico City, having to get fired and sent home immediately. Yeah. You got an you got your number two running back refusing to go back into a football game, going after an assistant coach on the sidelines, had to be terminated immediately. Mm-hmm. And Eno you know Benjamin, you got your star quarterback literally swearing, dropping F bombs at your head coach on national TV. And I don't care what the organization said afterwards, that was not a good look and a little mm-hmm. bit embarrassing for everybody involved you've got your star wide receiver suspended for steroids. You've got your star wide receiver, you know, carrying the ball like a loaf of bread and you got, you're leading the league in penalties on the offensive side. You can't get plays in on time. You're burning timeouts. Troy Aikman's calling them embarrassing on Monday night football one week. And then a dumpster fire on Monday night football a few weeks later. If you're Mike Bidwell, you're a proud guy. Mike's a proud guy. At one at what point Blake, And I'm asking you, Blake Allen Murphy, (laughs) at what point, if you were the owner of the Cardinals, would you say, call every semi truck in the area? I'm backing up the trucks and I'm cleaning house. Yeah. I mean, I know how I I know how I would feel about it at this point when you read over the list that I just gave
0: you. How would you feel about it? It feels like what. The Cardinals have ultimately, I think, have been trying to kind of treat whatever you would say as far as a broken arm with duct tape. The culture problems that you've seen with the organization, I think, have been there. We, we didn't even talk about the other coach, I think we said, with domestic violence, where it was not even suspended. The media they're, had to call it out. And Hollywood right. Brown had a speeding ticket. Like, you're talking about all of these key things that have happened. It's been one of the worst right. off seasons in recent memory.
1: You're right, and Blake. While while it is not Cliff Kingsbury's fault that uh, James Saxon had those domestic problems, the organization did. I mean, the media, the media that they they tried to brush that under the under the carpet a bit now, didn't they? But I, you know, I I don't want to say Cliff Kingsbury's not running a tight ship because his, you know. Knuckle-headed assistant coach got into a domestic assault. I mean, there's almost, mm-hmm. there's almost, there, 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 there's only so much the head coach can do. Just like it's not Cliff's fault that Sean Cooler was acting like an idiot in Mexico City. But at yeah. some point, it's like, it's like, again, the loosest, the loosest ship in America. I mean, at some point, you got to look at leadership and say, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. And on top of that, you know, you lose a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. And you've won one out of your last 12 home games. And you've won yeah. five out of your last nineteen games, and you, yeah, you made the playoffs. And what happened in the playoffs? You probably put the most embarrassing performance this league has seen in a postseason game in quite some time. Yeah, so no, I mean, it's brutal. Just, I, you know, it's it's it's, it's not good, Blake. And you now, and the, the Steve time news today that breaks while we're on the air. Uh, you know, that's that's a whole other uh, a whole other it's a can of worms <laughs> and a whole other la- a whole other oh, layer goodness. to the intrigue about about what's going to happen now in the off season, because if this is a step towards a divorce with Steve Kime and the organization, okay. That might make it easier for there to be a coaching change. And then maybe a guy like Sean Payton to be given the keys for, ultimate control and power
0: yeah and and that it seems like that is honestly like you know you talk about whatever the narrative of a season is we can't forget this entire season is having cameras document everything on the sidelines behind the scenes it's turned from a spot and the way they opened the entire (laughs) season was with the cardinals having a loss walking backward this angry this this entire like a balloon had been let out of the building. And that was how they opened the show. And it's just like, this has been one of the crazier types of seasons, at least like, I don't know if we have a hard knocks curse going on, but like the Colts had an entire meltdown that resulted with Carson Wentz going and being traded. And then we've seen their head coach be fired now. It just feels like with whatever case, when the lights and cameras have been on this team and organization, they've really struggled to be able to live up to the moment. And that's something I think that, has to be fixed. And I think, like you said, it does kind of end up starting at least with, I think, a fresh new vision and a different type of approach. Because to be honest, Cardinals have been in this position for so long with their scouting director that was Steve Kime taking over as the GM. It's all been in like internal promotions or people who are at least very much like the kind of trust there's a lot of times where you have a person who can be blind to their own flaws. And I I learned this from when I was working in business was it was really, really hard to tell someone that their baby was ugly. was how I called it. Like, you know, if someone (laughs) says you've got an ugly baby, no one wants to be told that, but sometimes you got to be able to look at and say, you know what? You're kind of right. At least about this baby that reflects at least on me for the most part as well. And it means, Hey, if there's going to be areas at least where you take a look at your kid and you're like, this person, at least, I've just kind of let them just play video games, sit on the TV, and they've not learned any skills. And they're 22 years old. Sometimes you got to look at it and say, hey, maybe it's not just them that I have to be able to say is at fault. Maybe some of that falls on me and enabling some of that as well. I do feel like that the question, this is something brought up by your co-host, Mike Jarecki, I know we talked about on the Arizona Football Podcast. Is the role of Michael Bidwell himself in the organization need to change? I know Mike talked about if there's a need for Michael, who's the current team president, to actually move to a different person as a team president, bring someone else in to help with managing. feels like that was the spot that Adrian Wilson would be pretty well able to take on some of that responsibility. Or is this kind of a place where it's really just, you want to take a look at the new direction that a new coach and a new GM will bring, and ultimately, that's going to be on Michael Bidwell to have to make the right decisions in that spot.
1: I think um, this is just my opinion, and I, I don't want to speak for Mike Mike Drecky. I mean, Mike might have his own opinion. I think for me, Blake, and again, I'm not sure Mike's title really matters. I I, mm. I wonder, I wonder if you know, you know, Mike has had a very good friend in Steve Kime in that position, mm-hmm. right? So there Mike, Mike has been empowered as the owner. Well, first of all, you're always going to be empowered as the owner to do whatever you want, but there's been a comfort level with Steve Kime. They're friends that they, they like each other and that, that that's a healthy thing at times. And then we can see it, it, it can be problematic uh, other times. And then you have a very young coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who let's be honest, Really just happy to be here when he got the job. So Mike can yeah. go, I, yeah, well, let's watch film. Okay, let's do this. Okay, why were you running this on this? Play? Okay. You get a you get a coach like Sean Payton in there, though. Like, Mike, he can keep the title of president, but does, would Mike need to change the way he handles himself day to day, like mm. the whole watching of the film thing? And I'm going to be very careful here, Blake, because mm-hmm. I, I am – I am I am not privy to how Mike Bidwell handles his business day to day in the Cardinal's office. Right. So all I can go on is the watching of the film story. So let's just kind of focus on that because I don't like to talk out of my you know what. So that's one example that we do know of that Mike watches film. Like is if so that might be an area for an example, like if a Sean Payton came in. Sean Payton's not going to want to watch film with Mike Bidwell and explain to him what he's doing. So that might be an example where Mike might need to back off a little bit. Still call yourself the president, still do all you need to do, but maybe back off a little bit, you know. Maybe maybe give your football people a little more room. To use the analogy of what Robert Sarver ultimately had to do with the Suns, like, you know, instead of going to the locker room and showing players how to set picks, as he did early in his career mm-hmm. as yeah. the Suns owner, <laughs> take a step Take a step uh, back. Crazy. Take a step. Take a step back and let the basketball people do basketball things. So that's just that would just be. A, I, I would just get the, And I don't know Sean Payton, but I would get. I get the sense Sean Payton wants full control and wouldn't want to watch film and explain things to the owner. He's got. He's got bigger and better, more important things to do, and he's he's earned that. Whereas you know, Cliff comes in. The guy just got fired from Texas Tech. What is he going to do, tell Mike Bidwell to pound sand? No, of course not. Hey, come on in, Mike. I'll watch film with you. Oh, yeah, what we were trying to do here, which is a totally different dynamic, (laughs) you know?
0: I mean, so. It's about trust, isn't it? I think that trust is one of the areas of when you talk about a place of it of – Do I need to go and watch film with Sean Payton? No, it's Sean Payton. He's got a ring as a head coach to be able to prove it. And when you look at Cliff Kingsbury, Vance Joseph, it's like, (laughs) hey, why did this play or something like that one? Like, everyone was totally covered. What happened with this play? And they have to explain because you're not trusting that the coaching staff is actually (laughs) putting players in the right position (laughs) to succeed. Go ahead, explain this. But with Sean Payton, it's going to be a spot at least of, you know, at least that there's going to be that level of accountability that he's going to hold himself to and all the other people that are on his staff as well. And that's something, I think, at least that I would say goes beyond even Sean Payton, but even just a veteran head coach who's been a head coach in the NFL before. People have talked about Frank Reich, who was let go by the Colts, for at least you talked about how the Cowboys have been having a renaissance on defense, at least, with you know the former Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn, who was yeah. now in the Cardinals' backyard as the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. There's a lot, I think, at least that comes down to where it just shows that the position the Cardinals are in is you kind of want to get that guy with experience. And, you know, we can shift and talk about some of that now is I think Ryan Clark brought up a great point, at least today. He said, I don't know if the Kyler Murray injury means that the Cardinals can get one of those top-tier coaches because it went from a known quantity at the quarterback position to a well we'll see how it comes off of the acl tear we'll see the time frame let's there's at least i think we can go over the good the bad and the ugly of kyler tearing his acl so late in the year what do you think at least about what expectations will be as the cardinals go into this
1: um well i i I, have got i've heard everybody expressing their opinions fans media guys on the radio about you know which would sean let's let's we're talking about sean payton really we talk about Kyler's injury, right? Yeah. You know, would Sean Payton not be interested now because Kyler Murray is, you know, damaged goods, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Only Sean Payton knows for one thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody else is speculating, including me, which I'll do right now. Mm-hmm. But a couple mm-hmm. things, uh, if Sean Payton wants this job, a couple things, money talks, mm-hmm. power talks mm-hmm. and if the news of Steve Kime stepping away today is a precursor to a soft landing to him separating from the organization ultimately, that is step one to Sean Payton perhaps coming in with ultimate power, and with a personnel guy at his side. We've seen we've seen situations like that before in the NFL in our in our own division. I mean, Pete Carroll and John Schneider have had a great working relationship like that, where where Payton comes in has the ultimate power, but he's got a, a personnel guy. So Sean Payton has that kind of power, power over personnel and, and the head coach, and he's paid handsomely. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've got a great place to live. Uh, he's expressed his fondness and uh, relationship in the past with the Bidwill family. I don't think that was an accident when he told that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so qual- quality of life, um, no winter weather. and These things matter. When you get older, for coaches, they do. Some people think I'm nuts, but they do. Blake, they do. JJ Watt matter- coming
0: out to Phoenix. You look at Paradise Valley. Him going on a walk with the kids and the dog. And they like do December. Like, it
1: does matter. It matters, and it matters to their wives. And I don't know if Sean Payton's married. I assume he is. It matters to their wives if they're married. Believe me. Um, <laughs> so would would Kyler Murray perhaps missing nine months be a total detriment to Sean Payton? If you pay him, you give mm-hmm. him the power, and you. And you and you and you as long as he believes Kyler Murray can be the same quarterback again when he gets back, I I don't know, man. I I I I don't think a Kyler Murray knee injury closes the book on Sean Payton to the Cardinals. Mm. I I, I don't know. I, I can't but again, I can't speak for him and I could be dead wrong. But if I'm Sean Payton, I I'm kind of looking at it through his eyes, like if this is a job I want, I got the power, I got the money, that's a place I want to live. Uh, I think the bones of a roster are there. I like the ownership family. Uh, i'm gonna I'll, I''ll I'll come there if as you're gonna check every box, I believe Kyler Murray's gonna be back in November and then I'm gonna have this kid for the next ten years. and I believe he's gonna recover and be the quarterback that we think he can be. and I know how to win with a quarterback who's not exactly six four. i I think I don't think you closed the book on it yet, but we'll 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 see um i will say this Hmm. and i know it's it's funny i know you were checking out potential candidates because you were you were tweeting about ben johnson (laughs) for the lions today so i'm like oh blake is you watch at least
0: jared goff play super well at least with that lions team you're just like holy cow where
1: did this guy come from type of a deal dude (laughs) well he's only been there one year but dude the lions got a top four offense and a top five scoring offense like are you kidding me i mean uh, but again only one year that's it's that's that's, that's tough i will say this though You know, you talk about uh, Quinn and you talk about, you know, Mayo from the Patriots, not you, but other people. Um, I really I really think their head coach has to come from the offensive side of the football. I think there has to be that head coach Kyler Murray relationship where Murray looks at the head coach and says, all right, I'm going to do what you say. I believe in you. I believe you can get me to where I need to be and you can get this offense to where it needs to be and you can get me and this team to the Super Bowl. That's that's another reason why I think you should pay Sean Payton whatever he wants. Mm. Because I think Kyler Murray is going to look at Payton and go, "Okay, like I'll do what you say. I know who you are. I know what you've done." Yeah. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen as opposed to a 34-year-old you know, offensive coordinator from the Lions, who Kyler Murray has never heard. Right, of. Like, that's that's you know the downside I mean? of if you're saying, "Hey,
0: we think that Kyler Murray, at least for the most part." part of the problem has been that you've got this young kind of like trendy offensive mind and let's replace him with another young trendy offensive mind. It's like, I think that there's at least unless you're saying that the scheme and that the exact nature, which I think a lot of people have broken down the Cardinals offense and their version of the air raid. There's some areas where it's almost a little too simplistic at times. And it depends on, you know, a guy like Hollywood Brown beating his guy over the top, making a tough catch, being able to have guys make plays in space. There's a lot more emphasis that's placed on, on being able to spread teams out in the passing game so if you think that's some of the problem then maybe that's some of the players who are available but it does feel more of like i think i agree with you that they the alpha in the room has kind of been kyler murray up into this point and adding someone who's that coach who's got a track record
1: i think is probably the best cure that the
0: cardinals could find to some of their
1: ails you know what? Blake, let me give you another analogy. You love my analogies, don't you? By old school analogies. <laughs> oh, when, I love Kobe, any type of similes, when, like metaphors, analogies. They're when, all great. <laughs> when Kobe Bryant broke into the league in the in the NBA, he was a wild stallion. I mean, but mm. and he was so gifted, and he could do whatever he wants. But he was a he was a basket case. He was selfish. He was immature. Uh, he didn't pass the basketball, which is selfish, obviously, but he 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 was uncontrollable. His teammates hated him. He didn't listen to coaches. Coaches were getting fired. I mean, it was a train wreck, but they brought in Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson got, and he got Shaq's attention too, but he got Kobe's attention. It took a while, but like, but, but Jackson came in with six rings and Kobe knew that, well, this guy coached Michael Jordan. Now this is Phil freaking Jackson. All right. Well, yeah, I may not have listened to Dell Harris or Magic Johnson, whoever the hell was coaching me in the late nineties, but I'm gonna listen to Phil Jackson because this guy knows what he's talking about, and this guy can get me to where I want to go, which is to be as good as Michael and to win championships. Mm-hmm. So Phil Jackson's arrival got Kobe Bryant's attention and got him to be the best player he could be. I kind of see a similarity with Sean Payton and Kyler yeah. Murray. That Kyler Murray, that Sean Payton would get Kyler Murray's attention the same way. Bill Jackson got Kobe Bryant's attention because as talented as Kobe Bryant was on the basketball court, Kyler Murray can be that talented on the football field too.
0: But again, it needs to be,
1: it needs to be refined. It needs to be disciplined. It needs to be honed in. It needs to be tapped. It needs to be molded. It needs to be grown and it's not happening. In fact, it's going the other way under Cliff. Mm. You know, a
0: great example of that just from a coaching standpoint was, You think about the Seattle Seahawks, what they were before Pete Carroll, and then after Pete Carroll. And I hear all the players come out with stories about Russell Wilson, this, Richard Sherman, guys like Cam Chancellor. You have all of these personalities on this team. And you wonder, how are they able to hold it together? And then you realize that, you know, while it's not been nearly up to par, that 72 plus year old guy is, he's got that team at least pushing into playoff contention again. Right. That's one of the areas I think when you look around the division as well. And, You know, the Cardinals have been in that spot of looking up at a Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl, looking up at a Pete Carroll, now looking at Sean McVay last year winning a ring. They really have not been able to find any sort of a counterpunch besides Steve Wilkes and Steve Keim after Bruce Arians left to retirement, and he went on to win a title with another team. So that's one of the things I think of talking about this vision of the Cardinals, that there's a huge thing uh, that I think, and I agree with you, the Kyler Murray situation throws a wrench into a lot of this like i know that we talk about murphy's law okay like i get told that a lot murphy's law is the idea of anything that can go wrong will go wrong well i've had people who've told me this year they said blake blake it can't get any worse the cardinals are being bad and i say well this is blake murphy's law it can always get worse it doesn't mean that it will get worse but it can get worse and so that's of course it can get worse and that's the thing you look at is it doesn't have to get worse people can make changes make decisions steve kime stepping away like this and this is something i you know I hadn't even thought of someone I said someone texted me about this and they said is this kind of the way where Steve Keim can step away from the team and he doesn't necessarily have to be fired from the team and I realized that's what Dave Gettleman with the Giants he stepped away from the Giants last year well, it was the classy kind of move at least to be able to right. without resigning you're essentially saying I know it's time for you to move on I see that my time has come you don't have to worry about firing me I'm not going to put up a fight this may be the beginning of a transition
1: then for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, that, I, I, weren't you listening? I just said that about five minutes ago. This could be, with all due respect oh, yeah. to a, Steve, I said this could be the precursor of, of what is ultimately a divorce between Steve oh, Kahn yeah. and, and the Arizona Cardinals. With yeah. you know, And, and again, the, the, the obvious implication is Steve can walk away without the indignation of being fired. Yeah. Right? That's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike doesn't have to do it. And it doesn't have to hit the papers, and we don't have to talk about it. Steve kind of fired, you know, that this is a way that it can be done. But I do tread lightly on that because if Steve really does have something medically wrong with him, then we obviously wish him well, uh, of course, and, and going forward. But yes, uh, reading the tea leaves, this could and it could be both. He could have a medical, you right. could have a medical condition, and it could also be the beginning of just a separation now because the time has come for new leadership in the Cardinals front office and it's all kind Agreed. of working out if that's the way to put it I'm sure Steve wouldn't put it that way but it's all kind of, put it this way Blake since that news broke about 20 minutes ago I am I am now more confident than ever mm-hmm. that when the 2023 offseason begins there will be a new general manager yep. and I I think there will be a new head coach that for the Arizona so Cardinals at
0: least yeah makes so much sense Man, this breaks. At least we got Hard knock is supposed to be on tonight, and they don't even have to, time to see some of this news to go on to have that. No, their show. Well, it's just, they, this is I crazy. hope they cover it next week. They got oh, cover yeah. it next week. I mean, I hope they'll go over what's going on. Like, I don't know if Steve's going to be able to share or be on because obviously the health. And I think of Bruce Arians. Twenty seventeen had the diverticulitis. Obviously, he had a cancer scare before. There was questions. Yeah. Really, if this is the same type of thing going on with Steve Kime, the hope, obviously, is that he would be able to make it back. Maybe it's not with the same team or organization. He's very well connected in the league. But that's one of the cases as far as for when it's come time to be able to see that this is the time to, you know, your computer's crashing, you're clicking all the buttons, you can't get it to work. You just go, boom, hit the reset button. This seems to be like what the Cardinals are doing is they're maybe trying to open that task manager. They're closing down the programs. They're just about ready to hit that reset button. And if that's the case... Let's talk about it now. Let's see. We obviously know about Sean Payton. I think that's more of the home run hire. That's the guy that I think every Cardinals fan is hoping. That's the guy that they will pursue and be able to land. Is there any other types of, maybe not even a coaching names, but just a type of a coach you think that they should go ahead and pursue, whether that be NFL or in college, as some have even suggested, which uh, is where they I got Cliff go- Kingsbury before. But, hey, there's a lot of former NFL coaches who are back in the college ranks and maybe looking to get back up to what the a- league
1: as a Blake as a Notre Dame fan, I would very much (laughs) like them to hire Lincoln Riley. So that would be, uh, that would be fantastic. Oh goodness. If they they could hire Lincoln Riley, I think that would be a home run hire. Um, (laughs) Asi- I, with all joking aside, aside from Lincoln Riley, because of the relationship with Kyler Murray and the fact that the guy's a flat-out unbelievable offensive coach. Three
0: Heismans would- in six years? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's the only and guy.
1: And <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Right, and Jalen Hurts. Right? He's the only guy I would even look at in the college ranks. Hmm. And what he's building at USC right now and what he's getting paid, I'm not sure Mike Bidwell can even pay him what he's making at USC. Mm-hmm. And, once, and once the Cardinals start sniffing around, after what he did last year, you know how many checkbooks are going to open in California to keep him at USC? Uh, my God, he just he just bought that big house on the ocean. I mean, so that would be a tough pull. Having said that, I mean, you look at the young coordinators. You talked about Ben Johnson. Um, Kellen Moore is a guy. Uh, 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 Waldron from the Seahawks is another guy. Yeah. The, the, you know, the one name that's that's been out there for years, and unfortunately, Blake. I think the reason why it's been out there for years is he just doesn't interview well mm-hmm. and he just doesn't appear to be a guy that owners and organizations feel is head coaching material for whatever reason and it's Eric Bieniemy, Um And I just wonder if his window is closed. I mean, he's got the pedigree. He's been a part of Andy Reid's tree forever. I mean, you see what the Chiefs offense does, but every time the guy gets a job interview you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. get it. I know EB a little bit from my time in Denver. Um, g- good guy, nice guy. Could I see why he doesn't interview? Well, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew him 20 years ago, Blake. I, 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 not really. I, you know, he's like I said, he's a nice guy. I mean, it's not like he's an ass. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but for whatever, for whatever reason, like this is not opinion. This is just proof. I mean, the guys interviewed for how many jobs and not gotten them. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, he's a first time head
0: coach. You have no idea often how a first time head coach will go. I think I look at the Carolina Panthers and the Cardinals. It seemed like Steve Wilkes checked every box for the Cardinals, but the timing and I think also the situation was wrong. You look at him going back to the Panthers and taking over and having that team on a winning streak and you realize, oh, he's a great fit for what he does for the Panthers, for their defense, for that approach, and then being able to get the most out of players. That's what a lot of think the Cardinals saw when they hired him. But when you looked at what they needed ultimately, it just wasn't something that I think was the best fit. Right. And that's something that is very clear. There's some people at least who I think will go in and get a job and be the most qualified person for a job, and it doesn't work out. They go back to doing what they did, and they are fantastic at it. Todd Bowles is one of the best examples, I think, of a guy who and you can see this year. He's overly conservative on offense, focuses a lot on the run game, even when the team is having struggles as a defensive coordinator my goodness he's blitzes at least have essentially gotten the cardinals to an, an nfc championship game with a different defensive coordinator and he's yeah. also been able to see a, a super bowl that had patrick mahomes and that chiefs offense at their peak was just yeah. blown apart now i do think there is a person who's probably going to be i would say like maybe the next andy reed type of disciple as far as he's had great success with you know, guys in the past, at least for the most part, getting head coaching jobs. bnmb has been kind of the guy that's been held up. But there's uh, – Mike is a guy that – he's another one of those young offensive minds. I think another team is going to be the one that will pursue him.
1: I thought you were going to say Steichen. From no, the Eagles, Steichen another is guy. another
0: guy, at least, obviously. That's, that's going to be probably the prime one because you look at some of his history. You look at – he's got a different offensive scheme that he utilizes. You look at Justin Herbert's rookie year. But Kafka, I think, is of the Andy Reid disciples. Like, he played before. He's a former quarterback. He's also at least spent time with the Chiefs as the quarterback's coach, their passing game coordinator last year. This year he's gone to the Giants. And if you want to talk about an offensive renaissance, the Giants have gone from being a team that's on the cusp of the playoffs. They've lost a few games, but they really have taken – all of this team with this young offense, very few receivers, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones at quarterback. And they were like one of the last unbeaten teams in the NFL. So I think that there are yeah. definitely solid coaching candidates that are out there, There are,
1: but it's, who's it's, the it's, one it's, for it's, Arizona, I think is the question. Right. That's the hard it's, part. And it's, and it's, I, it's not Sean Payton or bust. I mean, that would be the, that I would do everything I, I could to bring him here. I, I would back up the truck. I don't care how much you got to pay Cliff and Mike. I mean, the idea is to win Super Bowls. The idea is to win football games, and you have to overpay, then overpay. That that would be that would be my guy. But like Demeco Ryan is a guy that I think is going to be a great head coach. I just I love everything about him. I love the way he carries himself. I love the way yeah. that team plays defense. But for the Cardinals, I, I got to go back. I mean, I, I, listen, I know a I know a defensive minded head coach can bring in a great OC for Kyler. I think the head has got to. I think the head coach and Kyler got to be hand in Boxed hand deck. on this deal you know lockstep so i i just I, I i go to the offensive side of the football and i think it's the names we were just talking about i mean what about a wild card like jim harbaugh i mean mm-hmm. i i know lincoln riley was the name from college but i mean there's a guy that's proven he can win at a high level in the national football league he's gonna want a lot of money um but i don't know if he's the right coach for kyler murray either i mean he's a He's a Bo Schimbeckler disciple. I don't know if that's, you
0: know. (laughs) I think of the
1: Niners. The Niners, you got to see, well, it was almost
0: like Jim Harbaugh and the college game were perfect because he's the kind of coach who gets the most out of his players. And you see kind of how it ground down the NFL team. Cliff, he's kind of had had the opposite. He ran with
1: Kaepernick. I mean, you know.
0: He's had the opposite. Yeah, he even benched Alex Smith at least during a time when they were on a playoff run. But it's kind of also like things got ground down. They didn't really replace talent as much. At some point, you're like, all right, we're going to go ahead and move on to Jim. Tom Sula and then Chip Kelly it was just they were lost for a little while and part of it was just needing a new GM in that approach Trent balky at least he has let go I think at least if you have Jim Harbaugh it may be kind of one of those areas where I think it can work in turning your franchise around but for some of the long-term success it's like sometimes the college game like a great example obviously is you look at Nick Saban's NFL career you look at even other coaches like Uh, Pete Carroll, who came in at least to the NFL, has made things work. But his first trip was not good with the Jets and with the Patriots. So I think there's a type of personality in a coach. I think Cliff, for what it's worth, has tried to take the opposite approach of, hey, I'm going to expect the most from you, and I'm not going to basically be riding you or pushing you, but I'm expecting you to be accountable to yourself. So there's a lot more freedom, but maybe not as much pushing as far as that regard. But in some regards, maybe... It's part of what happens when you have a player's coach. I think, at least that most of the time, yeah. But they
1: they they play like it, though, Blake. Exactly, and that's the thing. Sometimes you look at that and it it works for a while, but then it needs to change. (laughs) Give me the give me the Bill Belichick type every 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 day of the week, twice on Sunday, because they don't make mental mistakes. They're not perfect. He doesn't win every game, you know. But they don't lead the they don't lead the league in false starts every year and have and have the mindless penalties and the and the and the the stupid turnovers and the the stuff that's plagued Arizona Cardinal football under Cliff Kingsbury. So that's where the player coach stuff gets you, man. You know, and nobody's ever told Bill Belichick to calm the F down on a, the middle of a game, I can tell you that. Well, that, that being said, Mac Jones, if you could catch it, he
0: did say that he to his... Patricia. Matt Patricia, not Bill Belichick. And so it <laughs> just Phil shows Belichick. at least a little bit, you're like, oh, ah, yeah. okay, there's, there's definitely a case there. It was funny to see at least someone... throw the ball oh, down the man.
1: field. But yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I to get, Van, get out of here. Vance
0: Joseph's... It was funny. if Someone said <laughs> Vance Joseph was completely right in his essentially just taking Matt Patricia down. Where he was wrong was just in that the Patriots still scored a heck of a lot of points against the Cardinals in that game just by running the football, simple things, not being able to get as much pressure. just is one of the the, spots. The offense
1: only scored 20. Yep. They made (laughs) mistakes
0: for the Cardinals. And like every Bill Belichick team from now to the end of time, they waited for you to make the mistakes. They didn't make them. And they were able to walk away with the win. They
1: got a scoop and a score. And maybe if click, if cliff kicks the field goal at the end of the first half, maybe they don't get three at the end Mm. of the first half. And if Hopkins doesn't carry the football, like a loaf of bread, maybe they don't get seven yeah. there. There's there's ten yeah. points or that maybe Zavan
0: Collins doesn't have it overruled. Maybe the game is a little different. It's in Patriots territory. <laughs> yeah. It's just someone said it's gonna be called the Zavin Collins rule now because you're gonna have all of these guys who get interceptions that are overturned on replay. Yeah. It's <laughs> just yeah. going to be crazy at least it's, to see.
1: It's called the Zaven. It's called the Zaven.
0: Oh, so, gosh. Anyway. All right. Well, let's go ahead and transition to talking a little bit about what we see with the rest of the season. We've talked about the good, the bad, the ugly of Kyler Murray's ACL tear. I side with you in that ACLs aren't what they used to be. The question, obviously, with his running ability, I think will be more determining Will it take longer for him to get back than maybe, say, a Joe Burrow or maybe a Carson Palmer after 2014? It's also a little later that the surgery is being had as well. So what are you looking forward to for the rest of this Cardinal season? And let's be honest, there's not a lot left. Like, There's not a Byron Murphy to talk about, a Zach Allen to talk about. There's really just Josh Jones' development for the most part. And then maybe you can say, do Keontae Ingram, is he going to be a guy who can help share the workload with? you know, the likes of a James Conner next year. Maybe they have to add another running back to replace, you know, Benjamin. It's just a lot of fires for Cardinals fans. It's almost like you're not even wanting to tune in to watch the team because a lot of what the reason in football is entertainment. A lot of the reason people were tuning in was to see how the Cardinals would be going to finish out the year. And now a lot of fans just almost say, hey, do you even root for this team to win games? Are people trying to jockey for draft picks?
1: That's the thing. I I mean, if you're a Cardinal fan, are you – Let's be honest. I mean, at this point, would you rather have the higher draft pick or would you rather win one or two of these utterly meaningless games right now? I mean, I know how I would feel. I'd give me the draft pick at this point. Well, what does a win get you? I mean, you, you could have made the case prior to the injury that like Kyler and D Hop and Marquise Brown and, and James Conner and these guys, they light it up and they find something in these final five games and the Cardinals finish four and one. And okay. That, that's great. That's that's better than a better draft pick. But with Colt McCoy and maybe a little dash of Trace McSorley and a backup offensive line and maybe Keontae Ingram getting a few more carries and Christian Matthew getting a few more reps, I mean, give me the draft pick, Blake. I mean, honestly. Mm. And I, I'll tell you this. After watching Colt McCoy in that fourth quarter last Ooh. game, if they're, if, they, if they're trailing in a few of these games, I, I mean get get the old guy out of there hmm. Put in McSorley, don't subject McCoy to a beating yeah. See, like that. See what Carson
0: Strong has, although his knee in college may be worse than Kyler Murray's knee right now is what's unfortunate. David Blau, Blake. David, David Blau. Blau, that's right, they worked out. David Blau is the one. I mean, he, I remember that from the Thanksgiving game a couple of years ago with the Lions, and this is yeah. the first year, I, first year in forever I said that my family, we've got family from Michigan, they're big UM fans. They said that they're hoping that Harbaugh, that he'll stay at least with Michigan. I think one even said, I hope that Harbaugh at least for the most part wins a national title but if he'll leave after he does and I almost hope that he gets back to a couple of title games just to keep that (laughs) going is what they said this is just a spot where you look at the NFL is always going to have ups and downs there's always going to be changes but this year is going to be probably one of the most dynamic off seasons that we've seen for the Cardinals since they made the decision to move on from Josh Rosen and bring in Kyler Murray to lead their franchise because you're probably going to go in with a new head coach and it seems like at least for now that the general manager is either not up in the air, whether for health or if this is, you know, a nice way of being able to at least just focus on his health for Steve Keim and not on the team, which is probably yeah. the, the cause of some of those health problems. What else yeah, do you think what, as far as the offseason
1: should the Cardinals do in their approach? Well, Blake, they got to refortify the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to, I mean, Rod, do you really believe Rodney Hudson's coming back? I don't. So whether or not you do that through the draft or find the best center free agent on the market possible, you, you got to refortify that position. I think you got to strengthen yourself. We don't know if Kelvin is going to be back at right tackle. Uh, the only reason, per Mike Durecki, that Beachum is even playing right tackle here is because of his fondness for Sean Kugler. Yeah. Uh, so, so He's no longer Beach,
0: with the team. Will Hernandez is returning. He's no longer with the team probably next year because Sean Kugler was a huge selling point in bringing Will Hernandez in.
1: Right. So I think you, to a certain extent, outside of Hump, uh, who will be playing left tackle next year, uh, by the way, uh, per Hump. Uh, Hump talked to Jurecki the other day. Mm-hmm. I'll be playing left tackle. I've heard the the move him to right tackle. Uh, no, Hump, according yeah. according to Hump, according to Hump, he'll be playing left tackle. By the way according to his paycheck he'll be playing left tackle as well yeah
0: yeah I was, I was gonna say the one time they made that
1: move it was also when you
0: could see that this is an aging jared Veldier. this was obviously they knew that dj humphreys was the future josh jones is probably in a spot where he may be able to earn some of that role as the future but so from what we've seen we've seen a lot that shows he can be a promising starting tackle but You're probably going to need to see an entire season before you can say he's good enough to make that change. But the interior of the offensive line, three new players probably needed there. You've got J.J. Watt, at least, is supposed to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's probably the best defensive lineman that the Cardinals have had. And he's 34 years old, which is ancient in football terms. You're going to have to rework the entirety of that defensive line. Even if you bring back a Byron Murphy and a Zach Allen on the defensive line, there's questions
1: at least at all three levels of the defense as well. Well, you hope to bring Brian Murphy, Byron Murphy Jr. back, but then you also need a guy on the other side of the ball from Murphy Jr. who's mm-hmm. as good, if not better, than him at corner. You're obviously good at safety. I think you need another corner, again, who's either as good, if not better, than, than Byron Murphy. Your inside linebackers, again, what, what, are, you, what are you doing with Zavon Collins? Uh, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Simmons yeah, yeah, I spoke. What are you doing with Isaiah Simmons? Is, have, is, have you, has he found a home there? Uh, then edge rushers. Dennis Gardeck and Marcus Golden, got to upgrade both. I'm sorry. Marcus Golden, where were you this year, buddy? Are you on a milk carton? Let me check. I mean, really, honest to God. Injuries have just been brutal,
0: but Marcus and the other, they've lost snaps to the rookies, and we've seen stuff out of Cam Thomas this last week. We've seen stuff out of IJ Sanders. There's at least, maybe not starting, but if you're talking about rotating pass rushers, I think you're like, yeah, you got the guys who you know are there. You're kind of missing that Chandler Jones alpha type of pass rusher, that guy who's going to beat them, put the pressure right. on, that guy that they'll circle on the board, that guy that gets double teams so that your Cam Thomas and MyJ Sanders can breeze past a backup
1: tackle yes. to get to the QB. Yes, like the Chargers go out and get Khalil Mack last year, go out and get the Khalil Mack of this offseason, mm-hmm. right? So, so Sanders and Thomas can grow opposite of him. If J.J. Watt leaves, you got to replace him. I know Zach Allen's the heir apparent in terms of being a leader on that defensive line, but if Watt leaves, you got to replace him. And then the offensive line to me has to be totally rebuilt. Otherwise, you're good at tight end, you're good at running back, you're good at wide receiver. Rondell Moore—they got to figure out if this kid can. Does he? I mean, was he the glass man? Right? I mean, come on. I mean, or or are you good with Greg Dortch as that third wide receiver? I don't know. They got him as a
0: restricted free agent. So I think either way, I think that Dorch will be back. So if you say, all right, you're looking at the slot. Hollywood has got one more year on his deal. Rondale, at least, the health is a big question. But you can always just kind of, you know, in case of emergency, break glass and pull out Greg Dorch anytime you need. There is another question, though. DeAndre Hopkins' contract, he's got no guaranteed money after this year. Hollywood Brown, he's on his fifth year of his rookie option. There's a big decision the Cardinals, I think, will have to make about one or both
1: of those starting wide receivers. Here's something to keep an eye on with Hopkins – what is he scheduled to make next year, Blake? I know you're better at this than yeah. me. It's a 28 so This or is about almost
0: $30 million, but they could either restructure, bump some of that money down, save a bit there. If they extended him, they actually would save even more money and be able to actually have a more of DeAndre Hopkins long-term. There are options you can have with his contract that allow you to keep him. Uh, some fans have wondered if he'll be here. I think he knows that Kyler Murray will get him the ball. Feels like the question's going to be if he's going to move to a competing team or if the Cardinals just burn a whole bunch of stuff down
1: with okay. players since We're, he is 30 years old now there couple, there's there's a few layers to this yeah there have been rumblings i've heard that hopkins has not been happy mm-hmm. not not and not happy with murray we've seen it on the field right um right. and not happy with the cardinals uh, current state in the in the con, uh, on the contention ladder mm-hmm. and would want and wants to be moved after the season let's say that's not true Let's yeah. say Hopkins is actually—he—he he may have said that to people, but he's just blowing off steam and he's fine here. Here's the Cardinals' perspective, though, Blake. And we don't know this yet, but I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. What if—what if by the time they—they they get into Murray's knee and they're like, "Man, Kyler's not going to be able to play much this next season." If—if mm-hmm. if the Cardinals know that they've got a stopgap quarterback in 2023 and they're—they're they're playing with a Jacoby Brissett or a Garoppolo or an Andy Dalton. Do you trade DeAndre Hopkins for draft capital, not pay him $30 million, knowing that 2023 is going to be a, a lost season in a rebuild with a new GM and a new head coach anyway? Right. What would you do? I, I mean, I'd, I'd have to think about that. If, if, if Hopkins can, can, I mean, could he yield you a one? probably right he I should mean, to- i
0: mean like in this case you look at previous players and what they've done at least usually it's one of the spots of the production has matched he's come back he kind of yeah. has shown that if you're that team that's got a young rookie quarterback that's looking to get over the top that's one of the places where arizona was a couple of years ago now that being said i've said it'd be really hard to be that team that makes fun of the texans for trading deandre hopkins and then goes out and trades deandre hopkins But you can't really control what Hopkins himself wants sometimes, I think. And that makes it where you want to make sure that either the relationship is set going forward or, like you said, there is a great opportunity here to say, hey – We know that we're going to go into the NFL draft. We can get a first for DeAndre Hopkins. We may have two firsts then this year as a result. Maybe you get a second-round pick for next year. You've got a little hey, Jerry, bit more capital Jerry Jones to be able gives
1: to use. Jerry Jones gives up two. Oh, he could.
0: He could, for, at least uh, for all of that. For Hopkins. Oh, <laughs> put Hopkins and Lamb together would be a little bit crazy, at least I would think, through just that catch radius for both of them. is insane. <laughs> right. but, yeah, but you look at some of the places this year and say, like, one of the guys who's outside this year, there's the TCU kid who's a deep threat. There's some Ohio State wide receivers. There's not, like, maybe that Top goes top three or five overall receiver this year, but if you're talking about you want to get a guy who's a first round talent, you know you're going to be building for 2024. That may end up being incentive to say, hey, we're going to move DeAndre Hopkins. We now can pay Hollywood Brown not as much as maybe he would have wanted, but we'll be able to give him an offer. And if he doesn't like that offer, fine, go out. You'll play that last year. We'll be good to go for the most part, knowing that we can at least take care of other items, and you're able to at least transition successfully. Something that the Houston Texans. Their essential replacement for DeAndre Hopkins was a defensive tackle and David Johnson in that contract. It was not a very good trade for them to be yeah. able to replace his impact. And that's part of why Bill O'Brien only lasted four games as the right. uh, as the czar, whatever you want to call this, head coach and GM of the Houston Texans.
1: You know, it's funny, Blake. Um, if they do have a new GM, the draft suddenly gets a lot more interesting because instead of finding maybe one person who can actually play in the league in the draft, maybe you get four or five guys who can actually play. You know, it's a whole new ball game if there's somebody else making the picks. Well, that's a great right? point, too. Is right? we maybe, know it, maybe, you, yeah. maybe you get a starting wide out in the first round, a starting center in the second round, you know, a starting corner in the third round. I mean, look what the Seahawks just did for crying out loud. I mean, they got like four all pros in one draft. Yeah,
0: oh, it's been crazy. Now it I can be done. This. Yeah, yeah, can be done at least for those. It's going to be a different approach. We're, we're You're not going to get us.
1: We're get, lucky to get a starter. In uh, the draft. I, I was <laughs> going to say the, the <laughs>
0: biggest thing with the Cardinals has been, I think that, and Steve Kimes said this a few years ago at an interview. At least it was brought to with Cardinals' play plan. He says. I think the NFL is a lead. You go for it every single year. I think that this year-to-year approach, kicking the can down the road, you're essentially saying, hey, we're going to you know, not have any tight ends onto the roster. We're going to bring back these guys, and then all of them get hurt. Like There's a lot of times the Cardinals have not really prepared as much for the future. If you get a GM who starts preparing a bit more and recognizes that we may need that yeah. reset for 2023, that may end up being part of the reason why you can at least accept moving on from Hopkins. Now, that, that being said, I'd say... Would you move on from a 30-year-old Larry Fitzgerald knowing what you know now? I think most fans would say, like, that would have been a terrible move if the Cardinals had traded him – to the Philadelphia Eagles if he had not chosen to re-up in the Valley as far as just the value he brought to your team. I think that's where I would lean toward it. And maybe, like you said, a great point is maybe a new coach, a new GM, and suddenly DeAndre Hopkins isn't quite mad at the team the same way that he was before. Maybe that's a new spot you can sell it on. I do think, though, that is probably the most important decision besides whoever that – starting quarterback comes in to be, that's going to be your most important decision of the season is figuring out what do you do with DeAndre Hopkins and his satisfaction? And are you going to get into a Kyler Murray type situation with Hollywood Brown, who's not even in his third year like Kyler Murray. He's in his final year of his contract. He already went and proved himself that he was the wide receiver one when the Cardinals didn't have Hopkins, those I think are the two decisions and whoever the new incoming, you know, GM, at least that we assume to be at this point is that's going to be the first thing of business that they're probably going to have to figure out for this team's roster moving forward.
1: Well, I know one thing with all, with all we wish Steve kime well, mm-hmm. in whatever he's going through, but I know after these last couple of years, even though last year ended in the playoffs, the way last year actually ended, let's be honest. I know a lot of Cardinal fans would be excited. Yep with a new guy calling the shots. I mean, if all, if, all, if all this work needs to be done, and it does need to be done, I, I think a new voice, making picks, making trades, sh- uh, signing free agents, is at least going to be an exciting time for Cardinal yeah. fans to see what the new guy can do, right? It's
0: new. It's fresh. Awesome. So we got basically just about maybe a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about the upcoming game. So this is going to be obvi- the reason why we're not oh talking about okay. it. This is there's not much to talk about. <laughs> you may have Brett Ripien as the starter. Russell Wilson still in the concussion protocol. Wow. He had not just a huge bump on his head. He had one of those, like it was like the Kurt Warner glassy-eyed, like not all there type of look from that concussion. If he plays, it'll be shocking to me in part because we've already seen how the NFL has really messed it up with the Tua Tug of situation earlier this year. Um, It makes me wonder if you do end up seeing kind of the battle of the backup quarterbacks in Denver. I've looked at the teams and you say, all right, you've got a really awful Denver offense that maybe found their stride against the Chiefs a little last week. You've got what's been a bad Arizona offense. The difference I've seen in this game has been Denver's been probably a top three to top five, like an incredible defensive unit this season and you're going to be on the road is this something that the cardinals can win this game because i feel like you almost need the ball to bounce your way and get a turnover or two to be able to have a chance because that defense is so stifling and it's not like kyler murray can make up for that play with a scramble or anything
1: yeah you know what blake it's tough because all bets are off with two backup quarterbacks i mean if this if this was kyler murray versus russell wilson obviously you could probably break this one down a little bit easier or better. Or, or maybe with with a more educated uh, analysis, if you will, it's so tough. I mean, I haven't seen Brett Ripon play quarterback. I mean, it's 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 tough for me to say. Well, they're going to do this and do that. I do know that the 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 Broncos have been so challenged on offense this year, and their core, their their head coach is under so much fire. I don't think he's going to survive. He's Uh, making the Cliff
0: Kingsbury decisions, at least, that like would probably, but it's like you're doubling down on them. It's almost kind of like Cliff, at least you saw things improve a little bit, but he's just kind of seemed to go in the opposite direction to the point
1: where he's probably a one and done. And I think he's lost the locker room. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury's lost the locker room. I had some people texting me during the, the Monday night game saying, "Hey, the Cardinals quit. The Cardinals quit." And I'm like, "Well, have they quit, or are they just not good?" I mean, there's a difference, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair to the Cardinals, in a in a way. Um, so, so for, for me, for the game on on Sunday, like, what what are we looking for as Cardinal fans, other than the fact that the uniforms are out there and it's an NFL Sunday, and we we watch them because that's what we like to do. I I like watching Colt McCoy play quarterback. I I think he shows a lot of guts. I thought he showed a lot of guts uh, on Monday night against the Patriots. I like watching DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins play receiver. I would like to see Trey McBride. I mean, he's going back to Colorado. Mm. Uh, I I assume maybe he'll have a lot of family and friends in the stands and people he maybe played some college football with. Maybe he could have a breakout game. I I hope they got that pick right, Blake, because that's a colossal miss if they didn't because it's not it was not a position of need immediate need and they took him because he was too good to pass up and so far we haven't seen it so maybe a mcbride breakout game would be nice so i mean you're looking for things like that you know maybe some great individual plays uh, pick six by isaiah simmons like we saw against the saints so i mean things like that blake but in terms of like oh stuff to build on and like oh josh jones for next year i mean i don't know I, i i you know Every, no more injuries in an entertaining football game at this point. I'll take it. And, again, I go back to would you rather win the game or would you rather pick higher in April?
0: Yeah, definitely agree.
1: We'll see. Someone
0: asked me, and they said <laughs> this, would you rather at least have the Cardinals be able to essentially, like, you get everything you wanted for the Cardinals, they get a win on Sunday and then now, versus being able to see, like, at the end of the year, it's kind of a spot of, I think, back to um, that Oakland Raiders game where the uh, San Francisco 49ers were technically in place with that first pick. And then John Gruden, who probably was on some sort of a sinking tanking ship that year, decides to go out, gets that field goal, beats the Cardinals and Steve Wilkes, and we find out that ended up being potentially the difference between that Kyler Murray is here or that Nick Bosa is with the Cardinals, but you're essentially like drafting first overall, needing another quarterback a couple years later. A lot of times it just happens to fall that way. New York Jets, classic example, Adam Gase wins the game, and suddenly Trevor Lawrence is lighting it up in Jacksonville now, while Zach Wilson, who is their second overall pick, he just got promoted to the number two job oh yay he's not starting but he's no longer a third string quarterback now he just beats out 30 whatever year old joe flacco to get that number two job that's something of it can be a very big difference sometimes at least for where the talent position may lie right but i think that
1: at times maybe you should be a little smarter about how you do things in the regular season and think a little more about the big picture and think about a guy like trevor lawrence being available with the first pick i you know you can't players can't tank you you would never ask a player to tank but there are it it hurts
0: your culture so bad when you're just going for ping pong balls you look at the sun's best example spent all this time tanking all this time going downhill they just had to unlearn so many of those practices because of how down they were for so long just trying to get lucky trying to be able to do it and build their talent but culture i think comes first talent i think then takes that culture to the new heights you can't ask players to do
1: it, but organizations can do some tweaks and some roster moves that give you perhaps the best chance to lose. <laughs> so you can maybe get a Trevor Lawrence if you, uh, if you, uh, if if you can. I don't know. It's 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 a tough, it's it's a it's a tough deal because you um you certainly want you certainly want the ability to get the best players you can get long term um to help your football team down the road as opposed to maybe winning a meaningless game in, in December. So it's a slippery slope, though. But I I know one thing like you were just saying you can never ask the players to uh to 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 bow down or to tank. That never happens in any sport. Um but Absolutely it yeah. happens. I remember uh, real quick before we go. Yeah. The uh I often tell this story that there was the it was about the Coyotes were uh, playing a game in Buffalo late in the season. It was the year that either Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel were going to be one of the top 2 picks and the Coyotes would have been thrilled to get either one of them. And it was a, a, a game like, I don't know, in late March or April. And mm-hmm. if the the Coyotes really needed to lose. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. Mike, and, and Mike Smith made a ridiculous save. I mean, it was a save out of his ass that you could not believe and the Coyotes won the game. Well, that save led to the Coyotes picking third, third in the draft with McDavid and Eichel, and they ended up with Dylan Strom. And, <laughs> yep. and it's like, that's one example, like, if – Mike save Mike Smith doesn't make that. Re- what do you do? Tell Mike Smith not to make the save, but if he doesn't make that save, they could have had Connor McDavid. Yep. and nobody gives a crap that he made that save. And, no, no one remembers beat, even at least but that was it. it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but they, goodness. But they would care if McDavid were here. Yeah. Anyway. I was going to
0: say, there's classic moments you'll see. The fun one I remember, obviously, is like the Josh Poole catch. We had Josh McCown took the Cardinals from picking first to picking third. And you got Larry Fitzgerald. But you take yeah. a look at the way that that season could have turned out, at least if they'd actually been able to take a quarterback at one instead. It's very interesting to see. Um. Yeah, I think the question I have is, are the Cardinals going to be able to win a game with the rest of the season? Because I think that with Kyler Murray, I looked at the schedule. You've got, obviously... This Broncos team, which now Russell Wilson's out, things may be different. You've got Tom Brady coming to town on Monday night, who's having to hold off. You know the five and eight Panthers, the five and eight Falcons. It's been a bad year, obviously, and what could be. I think even if it's not his last season in the NFL, it's at least his last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, they're at least still playing for something. They're still playing for the playoffs. You've got a young quarterback in Desmond Ritter who's wanting to prove himself now, going out because he looks where the Falcons are. They could go and draft a first round quarterback if he doesn't show up this year they've struggled to pass the ball but they've been really good at running it and then of course you end up wrapping up the season at least with the toughest defense in the NFL is San Francisco 49ers, and who knows if they're going to be even playing any of their starters if they're locked into position. Maybe it's a spot at least, though, where a lot of guys who are able to look for going into that playoff game, they may be looking at a two-seed if they can at least continue to win games, maybe if someone slips up a bit. It feels right now that the Cardinals, everything it seems like for the most part in the universe has just kind of been working against them. And sometimes in sports, that's just how it is, where you basically can say, I don't think that there's a curse, but the ball, when it bounces, is bouncing the wrong way every single time. 22-2 well, has been a bad bounce for the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Well, you, know, you, you never know, but I, I, I would be, you know, to talk about, this is not you per se, but to talk about, you know, the Buccaneers and the Falcons struggling and whatnot the cardinals stink too yeah. i mean so so I, I i would be their offense has been below average I, their I, defense I would, has would, been worse <laughs> yeah i would be pleasant pleasantly uh shocked if they won another football game uh given these these last few games uh, of the season i you know even if the 49ers have nothing to play for I, that's going to be a, a tough game to win um and then you know the Brady, Brady and the and the Bucks and and, and the the, the Falcons. I mean, it's just they're 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 technically in a playoff race too. I mean, the Falcons are sitting there going, I can't believe we're still in the, in the division race. Yeah with this record but here we are I can't
0: believe the Panthers are it's one of the areas at least of the Cardinals fans it's like imagine if they had Steve Wilkes got a revenge game against the Cardinals earlier in the season they've been essentially going out making plays Sam Darnold at least has used his mobility it's been fascinating to see because the NFL ultimately I think part of why I think people love it so much is not just the athletes at the height of their game doing the best Because obviously none of no one is going to basically have a perfect season or a good year every single year, but that idea of any given Sunday still comes up no matter what. Where you can still see, just this last week, Houston Texans almost took out the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely, fell flat on their faces when it counted the most. But again, if every given any given Sunday, it's part of why I think it's worth watching, and it's part of why I think ultimately you see teams so willing to make changes because if you can't get it every single sunday and you know that you're going into that spot of you're probably going to lose out the rest of the season it gets really hard to just stay the course right. fix things you will end up usually seeing change follow a franchise no matter what sort of contract extensions have been signed uh, by the coach or in this case with the cardinals by the general manager as well who uh our thoughts and prayers are with him and with his family as we uh, start right. to wrap well, up today I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this blake. If they can't win Sunday against the Broncos, I don't see them winning
1: any of those last three games. Hey, How about that? Maybe they maybe they
0: win against the, you know, second string O-line, the second string defense or something. I, I could honestly see D'Amico Ryan's basically going and saying this is my head coaching resume the very last game of the year against the beat a cardinals <laughs> team i agree with you that it's really hard to see any wins the rest of the season which if things fall the cardinals way they could pick as high as second in the nfl draft i don't think they're going to pick lower than sixth unless they go on some sort of a winning streak and there's going to be a long off season to talk about what arizona should do not just with that pick but with the vision of their franchise moving forward
1: you got it, man. And it just got a lot more interesting about 45 minutes oh, ago. Oh, yeah.
0: Yep. Thank you guys for tuning in so much to the ROTB pod. Again, you can find us not just on Apple Podcasts, Spotify playlists, or looking at places like even you can just ask Alexa. She'll be able to find it for you. Uh, you can also find us, of course, at RevengeOfTheBirds.com. Follow us at ROTB pod and follow Tim Ring Tim. Go ahead and set up yourself as being. If I was to sell someone on Tim Ring, and say, This is why you should follow Tim Ring. How would you say that I should sell well, Tim
1: Ring? <laughs> I mean, at, at Tim Ring TV on Twitter. And then every day, Mike Durecki and I, the Arizona Football Daily Podcast. We do it for about 25, 30 minutes each and every day. You can find that, of course, on Apple and Spotify and all those uh, places. And then obviously, uh, Cardinals game day before the Cardinals game and Cardinals overtime on ninety eight seven after each and every Cardinals game. So there you go. Uh, and sometimes sometimes Suns. Hey. Sometimes Suns TV. Sometimes Suns radio. Sometimes
0: ABC fifteen about to say, Tim Ring, <laughs> at least, the man of many talents, man of many faces. He's got yeah. probably like all sorts of suits, like the old John Clayton commercial. He's pop one suit on, go That's over right. here, get all pull of the, the other one here. off at least. I've got a green screen right over here. Yep, uh, it's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you again so much for joining, Tim. Appreciate it. We'll see you about checking you in it. sometime. Maybe when we see at the end of the offseason with the Cardinals, get some other thoughts and takes for the most part. But Anytime. for now, it has been just def- – it's one of the places, like – I don't want to say at least that it's been there, but let's hope that the next time we'll have something more happy to talk about with the <laughs> yeah. Arizona Cardinals definitely awesome thank you guys so much for listening take care and go cards check check one two check external microphone check can we hear me check